0: I do like your theme, by the way.
1: Oh, the the like the intro music. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, actually, I'll take this opportunity to remember to do a shout out to John, who was on a few episodes ago. Uh, thank you, John, again, for doing the theme song for <laughs> movies from Green Hell. It is awesome. Completely forgot to even say that when I spoke to you. So whoops. soundtracks terrible stoner movies and other such nonsense i'm dylan and joining me for this episode is andy davis uh from the band eat hey how are you i'm good saw so I, I actually uh dropped off a shirt to andy last year i think it was for uh, a memorial shirt for our uh, buddy yes
0: you did that is correct you dropped one off for uh uh for john hopkins yeah yeah the blue okay. orange shirt or the orange orange shirt.
1: Yes. <laughs> Dropped off the shirt, Andy, and then uh, got to see your band open up for Matt Pike at yep. uh, St. Vitus Bar right around Desert Fest time. It was a Monday.
0: That was uh, a really fun night. I ended up smoking a lot of marijuana that night for some reason. <laughs> i do <don't>, not entirely <laughs> sure why. how that happened.
1: So yeah, can you like tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, your band, Eat?
0: Sure. Well, first, I'd like to apologize that we're not meeting under better circumstances today. Uh, we have to talk about the thing that we have to talk about. But uh,
1: <laughs> it, is, it is unfortunate.
0: It, oh, boy, oh, boy. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I play guitar in a band called Eat, where we've been playing together for almost 10 years. I still don't really know quite how to uh, describe what we do. More of a Melvin Stoner vibe, but also with like a lot of punk rock influence. We all play just kind of what we like, and we're not shy about telling everybody in the band that we don't like that. And then we just, let it go. And we, so every song that we play is something that everybody in the band has agreed is something that sounds like us.
1: I would call it weird rock. Oh, <laughs>
0: thank you. Thank you. I was in a, in a band in high school and we were described once as Muppet rock, which I thought was very fitting. we were all just these skinny little kids just bounced around on the stage. And...
1: Were there any <laughs> Muppets involved?
0: We did do a cover of uh, the river bottom nightmare band song from Eminem's jug band, Christmas,
1: but no actual Muppets.
0: no, Boy, those are some hazy times. But uh, I don't believe so. I think I actually did have a like a stuffed animal hanging off my guitar for a little while there. But
1: I mean, Muppet Rock—that still sounds like a subdrama that could be. I'm sure it's a thing. I'm sure, I'm,
0: right out there. I would not doubt it.
1: Um, well, one of the things that uh, you had when you played live was the, involved a video projection, mm-hmm. of, uh, which you know it was just like weird stuff. I'm sure you just found like on the internet or something, public domain and whatnot. I've always enjoyed shit like that. Um, Does that like stem from uh, your interest in horror movies and other weird cinema?
0: Um, Actually, I could almost pinpoint that directly back. It was weird. I was looking for some stuff to add to it. um, And I came across the church of the sub genius, their old recruitment video, which was something that was going around in the late eighties on a videotape. You can find it on YouTube now. And it is exactly that kind of shit. It's just a bunch of random stuff with kind of an underlying theme and then pictures of Bob Dobbs, his face on there, and I went, "Oh my God, this is this is where this came from, this is where this like this video shit came from." And of course, you know, you know butthole surfers doing their stuff, but they they did a way better than I ever could. You know, we, we we're not going to put in backwards footage of uh you know sexual assignment surgeries into our thing. You know, we have we have a couple of teachers in the band, so we're not going to quite go there. <laughs> Um, But yeah, that stuff I love. I love working on that. So that's the kind of thing like late at night, just give me like four hours. And as long as I'm getting my, uh, my ability to rip from uh, YouTube, which, of course, I don't do. But if I could get that going, then that's usually pretty easy. It's a lot of fun.
1: You know, we talked about it briefly when I was um, dropping off your T-shirt, but uh, I know you're also into horror movies and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So like kind of what's your what's your like sweet spot for horror is there kind of a genre that you oh. enjoy or like a specific brand of it or do you just kind of like all of it
0: uh it's it's a lot of all of it i'm not like big into the torture porn although there's some really good gore scenes to be gleaned from them but i think as a whole just it just gets repetitive and boring generally you know i'm a i'm, a, I'm an 80s kid so like the 80s stuff with the you know practical effects and all that kind of mm-hmm. thing I, I, yeah like i just watched a. uh, uh what the hell is it called? Mysterious Island with an old Ray Harryhausen movie. And that just oh, got me right in the feels like seeing the the wasps, you know, trapping people in Honeycomb and stuff was really cool. Even if it does look a little weird, but it's still I don't know, just it feels like someone cared. Obviously, if it's kind of corny and stupid, you know, if, if I'm laughing more than I'm, you know, not looking at the screen, then the happier I am.
1: Well, I mean, you uh check in often and are watching some fucking far out shit stuff mm. I've never fucking heard of. <laughs> so, like, Look at it, I'm like, what in Christ's name? Like, I didn't even know this existed.
0: So I worked at lucky 13 uh, saloon for about 15 years. And while I was there, I was kind of the unofficial curator of the, the movies down there. So I used to have, it was, it was my job to like every week or, Twice a week or whatever to try to bring in something that either I haven't seen or I'm pretty sure most people there haven't seen, just for a reason to get people to come to the place. And um, I I'm still getting through it because Netflix shut down its DVD department. That'll be at the end of September. My queue is still like 160 fucking movies in that thing, and <laughs> most of those you can't find online for free. So it's like I want to try to get through these. So I'm actually kind of hustling to get through a bunch of them right now. And boy, there's a there's a lot of shit on that queue. Some real garbage that I was going to subject to my poor, suspecting customers.
1: You're probably the only person I know that actually still uses the DVD, the mail DVD function for Netflix.
0: Yeah, it's it is because um I'm, I'll send you a list. Like again, like I would say of the 160 movies I have on this queue, you really cannot find at least like 65, 70 percent without actually having to like open up your wallet and spend a lot of money.
1: What What do you think is like the most? obscure thing you've seen like just what like how was this even made who made this why was this oh today's movie doesn't count
0: (laughs) well today's movie was made to make money and it didn't even do that so (laughs) um god oh uh oh there's uh god what the fuck are they called uh the necrophiles parts one and two uh that was uh, uh my friend ralph he's he's another horror movie buff and like same you know same cut from the same cloth and he had found this thing it was on a videotape way back in the day and it's uh it's this this demon with a huge rubber dick uh <laughs> running around sticking it wherever he wants and then there's a baby on a wire that's floating around eating people and it's really really stupid but there's just something really endearing about it that's just like these guys are having the best time of their lives <laughs> and and so much so they made part two yeah so my brother tracked that down uh my brother's the secret weapon i have he he's he's mr computer guy he's really good at tracking all this shit down he he actually started making a bunch of the mixtapes specifically for the bar that when uh when i left i was an asshole and took them all with me
1: (laughs) they were that good
0: well you know yeah
1: well, I uh, don't know if I will ever be able to see that, but it sounds ridiculous. I'm definitely going to I will it. lend
0: it to you. I actually have, a, I have got a copy of both of those.
1: Oh, I mean, it sounds at least worth checking out. It's it like, is amazing. a $100 movie made on like a camera.
0: Yeah. Uh, I've never seen it with the sound on, so I'm not sure I'd recommend that.
1: Oh.
0: Which oddly enough ties into this movie. I know I've had this, Alone in the Dark, at Lucky 13, and we watched it at night with the sound off. I don't think anybody even noticed it was on.
1: It's probably how you should watch this uh, movie.
0: Oddly enough, because what we, what endeared it to you then to me is the soundtrack, which I don't know. I well, again, we'll get into that in a minute, but what the hell was I talking about? <laughs> oh, I hate this movie. That's, <laughs> yeah. what, that's what I was talking about. <laughs> that,
1: that, not to bury the lead, but yeah. Uh, so we watched 2005's Alone in the Dark, directed by, as uh, for a long time, pronounced this uh, gentleman's name, U-Bowl, but I believe mm-hmm. it's actually pronounced U-V-A-Bowl. Sure. Sure. Uh, yeah. I, I probably will wind up just saying U-Bowl, because that's just how I said it for so many years in high school. I'll,
0: I'll call him incompetent nincompoop.
1: <laughs> you explained like that this was... The best use of this film is a background thing in a bar. So yeah. you don't actually act to hear what is coming out of the people's mouths in this movie because good lord is it fucking stupid and fucking bad
0: yeah uh i remember so i moved to new york in 2004 and this came out in 2005 and i was still reading the new york post every friday just for the movie reviews because the movie reviews were pretty funny and i remember the review for this and i tried to find it online so i could exactly quote it but it's it's not there And they had a particular bone to pick with the casting of Tara Reid as a scientist. You know, and they said, the only reason why you'd cast a Tara Reid in your movie as a scientist is because you want an actress who will take her shirt off and she doesn't even do that.
1: It's a remarkably tame movie. Yeah. And like in all regards, it's like, (laughs) it's just like so neutral when it comes to that. It's not exciting in terms of like, there's no, there's none of that. There's like no gratuity. Mm -hmm. There's none of, it's just like, wow, this is, they just there's, kind of walked around and made a movie i guess <laughs> there's
0: a lot of voiceover uh where christian slater says i remember there was like early in the movie he's like uh, i had all these horrible things happen to me in my childhood but we'll we'll skip over that or something what was the exact line i actually have it written down oh you will just have to believe me <laughs> because we're not going to film any of this like that might be exciting to watch a baby Christian Slater getting terrorized by demons, That'd be,
1: Come on, like, why would you show that? That doesn't sound cool. Like,
0: uh,
1: yeah, the incompetence, a very good way to describe this movie. The extent of my knowledge of this movie was similar to yours. I remember it being savaged by folks on the internet and saying, mm-hmm. you know, at the time, I'll never watch this. And now I have watched it. Did you ever play any of the games that it was based on? Because for <laughs> anybody that's not in the know, movable makes a lot of movies
0: based on video games based on video games i'm i'm surprisingly i'm not much of a gamer um i know my personality too well i like a long time ago i had the ps2 and i got um whatever the second uh grand theft auto was i didn't leave my house for like a week i'm like i i would like to leave my house i don't want to (laughs) be Tethered to a fucking video games. I just that's just my personality. So I just I I avoid playing them because I like playing them too much.
1: Gotcha. I never played any of the games. Uh, They are definitely I think before my time, it was Mm -hmm. more of like a PC thing. And there's a lot of them uh, for context. Uh, particularly for the debut game of Alone in the Dark, it, they are widely acknowledged as an early instance of survival horror video games and often credited with the creation of that subgenre.
0: Sure, I hear they're fine.
1: The original story was based on the writings of H.P. Lovecraft. Later games in the series drew inspiration from other sources, including Voodoo, the Wild West, and the works of H.R. Giger. So overall just sounds very cool.
0: Boy, I didn't see uh, any of that.
1: <laughs> Six installments of the series have been created with various themes located, as you said.
0: It was uh, so inspired by it that it transcended it all. So we didn't, couldn't quite figure out what that was.
1: Well, this, again, quote, adaptation, is very loosely based on the video game series. Uh, mm-hmm. Some plot elements and characters are taken from the 2001 entry, Alone in the Dark, the new nightmare, the plot of the movie is mostly an original story um, okay so to just uh, kind of go over who um uva bowl is for anybody that is not in the know although i think most people by now are in the know Uva uh, yeah. bowl was definitely like an early internet phenomenon which i think is
0: something very interesting He's an about. interesting character
1: yeah he is uh he is an interesting if kind of repulsive uh character of you
0: know, the oh, early I, well, I wouldn't trust him alone in my living room for five minutes, but he's an interesting <laughs> person.
1: Uh, he's uh, a German filmmaker. The uh, this movie uh, is generally considered one of the worst films ever made. Uh, he's made a lot of video game adaptations uh-huh. um, and they're generally critical and commercial failures. Uh, but his films during the 2010s, comprising mostly of original projects and independent movies, Received home media releases to better although still mostly negative reviews
0: <laughs> yeah he was doing something with German tax shelter too like uh, using I forget what it was when he would finance his movies he would hide the finances through a German tax shelter so basically he was cheating people out of money to make these movies
1: yeah that doesn't sound I, sketchy at
0: all. Right, I, I'm not a financier at all I'm not quite sure I, I know that there's some shady shady bullshit that he was doing He also liked to physically fight his critics, which I kind of... Oh,
1: yeah. Well, we definitely have to talk about that. But also, after retiring in 2016, he became a restaurateur, and then he returned to filmmaking in 2020 and uh, has been at it ever since,
0: unfortunately. So his sounds like his restaurant failed, too.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I don't think they did great.
0: If I could take a stab at it, I'm not as familiar with his actual films. I'm more about his notoriety than anything this seems like just watching it this seems like one that he was kind of trying to take seriously i think and and i I know that the later ones he really didn't give a fuck and just made them silly on purpose i
1: think so yeah i think he was definitely trying to make a movie here um which is weird because the the movie that i think most people probably got to know him for in the united states was the house of the dead adaptation (laughs) which i heard about it and it seems just like it's like a bonkers
0: film. It, is, it is bonkers and it's heads and tails way more entertaining than this
1: yeah I th- I think with that one because it just seems like it's it just seems like it's on speed the whole time and it just goes for like 80-90 minutes however fucking long it is this movie is like grim and there's a lot of like walking and pouting and the so
0: much walking
1: and they're trying to make it real serious and it's just it's just not but in addition yep. to those two, uh, he also did the Blood Rain adaptation, uh, yeah. In the Name of the King, which is a, a dungeon siege adaptation. He did the Blood Rain sequel, Deliverance, mm-hmm. Postal. He did not do Alone in the Dark. Oh, either. that's right.
0: He did Postal. Poor Dave Foley was so broke at that time.
1: Uh, he did the Far Cry adaptation. And then he's done a whole bunch of other movies, including uh, Rampage a movie called Auschwitz, which I don't think I will be watching anytime soon. I might
0: uh, skip that one.
1: Blubberella, <laughs> which I've heard is borderline unwatchable. Assault on Wall Street.
0: And, Ooh, very progressive. Uh, yeah,
1: he's, he's onto his third entry in the Rampage series. Uh, he had a movie come out last year called Hanau Deutschland im Winter Part 1, and he's got three more on the way. First shift 12 Hours, and Ness. He also wanted to direct the Metal Gear Solid movie adaptation at one point. but if someone you...
0: wrestled that away from him, I hope.
1: Hideo Kojima said, we will never work with him. Now, you mentioned that he fights his critics. And yes, this is very true. Because back in 2006, Ball made headlines by challenging his critics to put up or shut up. In Uh, In that year, his production company issued a press release stating that Bull would challenge his five harshest critics each to a 10-round boxing match. Invitations were also open to film directors Quentin Tarantino and Roger Avery. To qualify, critics had to have written two extremely negative reviews of Bull in print or on the web. Footage from the fights were to be included on the DVD of his upcoming film, Postal. On June 20th, 2006, Rich Lotex Kayanka uh, stated on something awful that he had been invited by Bull to be the first contestant after he reviewed it. The online gambling site Golden Palace decided to sponsor the event, dubbing it Raging Bull, a play on the 1980 That's Scorsese film. That's the most was-
0: clever thing to come out of this guy.
1: <laughs> a lot was drawn up in late August 2006 featuring Kayanka, Rumorg magazine writer Chris Alexander, webmaster of Seneca, Cine- Sinecateur Carlos Palencia Jimenez Arguello, Ain't It Cool News writer Jeff Snyder, and Chance Minter, amateur boxer and website critic. Bull fought and won against all five participants. The first match took place on September 5th, 2006 in Estepona, Spain against Carlos Palencia. The others battled on September 23rd, 2006 at the Plaza of Nations in Vancouver, Canada. After Kayanka lost his match, he would go on to make several allegations against Bull, including a claim that Bull refused to fight against Chance Minter, who was an experienced amateur boxer. However, Bull fought Minter as his fourth opponent. He also alleged that Bull had misled them by claiming it was a PR stunt when he actually intended to fight them and that Bull stated that (laughs) he would get training before the match, which none did. There's actually a very good web documentary on YouTube about this. Um, I got to look up the guy's name. I, I think I would watch that. Yeah, it's very interesting. It chronicles this whole thing. And I would highly recommend you check it out. And it's uh the the channel is called Oki's Weird Stories. And the video is called You Bo- or, sorry, Uva Bull, the director who boxed his critics. Uh 16 minutes long, a little over 16 minutes long. Well worth your time to check
0: out. I will definitely watch that. Uh
1: yeah, I remember when this happened and we were baffled we couldn't believe that it like actually went down which just goes to show you that
0: the early 2000s were a weird fucking time
1: yeah really weird and it's strange because there's a lot of weird shit that's happening right now and yet i don't think something like this could happen now i feel like this is very much rooted in the era in which it happened i don't think <laughs> it's so weird also low tax passed away uh i think last year or the year before And he was the guy who created something awful or uh, administered it or something like that. So just, uh, yeah, this was all part of the early days of the internet. And it's weird how um, this movie and uh, Uva Bowl sort of existed in that space.
0: Uh, Sure, sure. Very, very strange. They kind of fed off each other, I think.
1: Yeah, but and to kind of get back to the turd at hand. Uh, this We're avoiding was, that, aren't we? <laughs> this movie was written by Blair Erickson. Uh, he came up with the first drafts of the script for the movie. And according to him, Uva Bull suggested through various email changes, exchanges, sorry, that it would turn it from a thriller into an action film. And Erickson stated his disgust at the treatment and spoke negatively of his working relationship with Bull on Something Awful. Something Awful is just like the big, uh, like, yeah. for all of the, uh, you know, controversy around this movie, I guess we'll call it. Uh, he says the original script took the alone in the dark premise and depicted it as if it were actually based on a true story of a private investigator in the northeastern U.S. whose missing persons cases begin to uncover a disturbing paranormal secret. It was told through the eyes of a writer following mm-hmm. the Edward, following Edward Carnby and his coworker for a novel, and depicted them as real-life blue-collar folks who never experienced, sorry, who never expected to find hideous beings waiting for them in the dark. We nope. tried to stick close to the H.P. Lovecraft style and the low-tech nature of the original game, always keeping the horror in the shadows so you never saw what was coming of them, uh,
0: coming for them. Instead, what we got, we got Christian Slater on an airplane talking <laughs> to a smart-ass kid and then going, you don't know the real truth. And well, sounding like a, like a fucking QAnon guy for the day. <laughs> this,
1: this whole movie just felt like a conspiracy theory.
0: Yeah, not even a good one. And
1: exactly, not even a good one.
0: Ericson like flat Earth guys would be like, eh. <laughs> eh. I don't
1: know. Erickson continues. Thankfully, Doctor Bull was able to hire his loyal team of hacks to crank out something much better than our crappy story and add in all sorts of terrifying horror movie essentials like opening gateways to alternate dimensions, bimbo blonde archaeologists, sex scenes. I don't. There was no sex scene in this movie.
0: Tara Reid and Christian Slater made out to that one song for a little bit.
1: Oh, that's not really like no.
0: This <laughs>
1: like sexy at all.
0: <laughs> from what I uh, from what I heard, I, I heard Tara Reed balked at the uh, at so UE Bowl's like, "Hey, you got to take your shirt off in the scene." She goes, "Nope," and yeah. they couldn't convince her. But they, you know, they'd already paid her, and it wasn't in her contract, so she well,
1: said, "Well, well I'll, I'll
0: never fine. hire you again." And she's like, "Great, <laughs> I don't, don't want to be in your fucking movies after this." I,
1: I don't blame her. He said he added in a 10-minute opening backstory scroll read aloud to illiterate the audience—the only people able to successfully miss all the negative reviews. So he took a take a shot at him there. As a result of all this, there were seven distinct scripts in circulation without a consensus as to which one was actually used for the filming of
0: the movie. Oh wow! Which is
1: insane.
0: Makes sense.
1: So we have uh Christian Slater as Edward Carnby. Uh he yep. was raised
0: as at- angry guy in overcoat.
1: Oh my god, his overcoat is ridiculous in this movie. It's so long and billowy. He just looks like uh he just looks like Batman if he just put on the cape and forgot to put on everything else.
0: Uh he so I'm a bartender. He reminds me of about every know-it-all smart ass guy's after like six shots of whiskey are just like. What you just don't know, man, because you're not paying any attention to what's real in the world. And I was like, just shut the fuck up. Get out of the
1: <laughs> they all sound like they're doing a bad Jack Nicholson accent, too. Yeah. As we also mentioned, Tara Reed. He certainly did. Aline Cedric, an archaeologist and museum curator.
0: She's smart because she wears glasses. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, as you said, he, uh, Bull uh, stated on various occasions that he regretted having Tara Reed in the movie he actually originally wanted Christian Bale and Jessica Alba for the leads. I can't imagine why they passed on this. I
0: I can't I, think, I can't imagine Jessica Alba lifting her new no nudity clause for this movie either.
1: And I think Christian Bale was like, "Sorry, got to go make a Batman movie."
0: Uh-huh. Yeah, um, that's right about that same time, isn't it?
1: Yeah, well, he made the right decision. Yeah, I think so. Her casting as an archaeologist received criticism upon announcement, as she had best been known for playing ditzy party girl characters prior to, and it just sort of didn't make any sense. And uh, you know what? It doesn't make any sense.
0: Well, here's the thing: I'm I'm all for an actor, an actress, or performer, you know, spreading their wings and and learning more about the craft and doing something that maybe is a little bit out of their wheelhouse. But she she wasn't even good at doing the bubbly stuff. Like it's. She was, she's just a kind of shitty actress.
1: Yeah, she, I mean, she's not great. She's also from the town over from where I grew up.
0: Oh. We're fellow New Jersey,
1: uh, uh, I guess, uh, transplants now. I don't. I assume that Tara Reid does not live in New Jersey anymore.
0: No. I don't think she can afford New Jersey anymore.
1: <laughs> not many of us can.
0: All right. And then there's uh, Stephen Dwarf.
1: Yeah, easily the highlight of this movie. And he's... I- just and he is just so Steven Dorf in this movie.
0: He's trying, and you know what? Yeah, uh, there's a scene where he's flying a, a helicopter, and it's voiceover because most of the dialogue is voiceover, and I couldn't tell if it was him or Christian Slater talking. <laughs> I'm not even joking. I'm like, what? And then, like, finally, I'm like, okay, no, he doesn't sound enough like Jack Nicholson, so that's gotta be that's gotta be Steven.
1: Yeah, it's weird that you would put these two guys in this movie. They just have the same energy exactly i guess christian slater's kind of been able to redeem himself uh, a little bit i know he had a pretty fun guest appearance on archer when i was watching that for a Mm -hmm. while but uh steven dorf has mostly been doing the bad direct to dvd direct to streaming action Mm -hmm. movies and all that stuff but he is in the new season of uh, the righteous gemstones which i'm a big fan of that oh
0: yeah i haven't seen that yet that's that's on my list uh, he was he was doing a commercials for the uh the fake cigarettes there for a while too. Like okay, him.
1: well that seems like an appropriate thing for Steven Dorff to be in. I mean, he is just fucking inc- so ridiculous in Blade. Like that's the thing that I know yeah. him like the like the most from.
0: He was also great in The Gate.
1: Oh yeah, another movie we watched uh on here. A very little teeny tiny Steven Dorff. This, this is a Steven Dorff's stand account. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> you know, given the fact that this movie is pretty awful there yeah. is one thing that is actually might be better than steven dorf on that okay um, and that's the soundtrack and Which like, is
0: why i agreed to watch this because you sent me the the soundtrack list i went holy fuck like i probably should watch this
1: it is insane how mm-hmm. many fucking bands are on this soundtrack and it was
0: uh nuclear assault or um nuclear blast nuclear blast records yeah
1: they uh put out the soundtrack it was a sure. two
0: disc set uh, and you think set. with all those songs they had to choose from they'd show up in the movie somewhere
1: again this is one of those movies like the scorpion king where it's just like stacked with pretty big name bands um i think i i do think resident evil had a lot of the music in the movie um this i think has two songs of the uh
0: they might've stuck in an extra one in the ending credits.
1: It, yeah. it might've a,
0: done like a mashup of one or two, but yeah, the first song. So uh, there's 37 songs on the soundtrack.
1: And you got like two to three of them. And, and it's,
0: I actually had it written down when the first song finally actually shows up. It was <laughs> 53 minutes into the movie.
1: Yeah. And the whole time that I'm watching this movie, I'm like, where's this music?
0: And on top of that, so they actually had the rights to the songs, clearly, because they're on the soundtrack, one would assume. And there's all these chase scenes and fight scenes that could really use some music, but instead they've got, like, stock like drum noise and, like, breathing noise and, like, ambient bullshit that, you know, like a Diva Borgia would sound really good in this scene. It might actually elevate it. But no, yeah, that would take uh, research and talent. <laughs> <laughs>
1: they spent that's... thirty grand on the soundtrack,
0: and then they didn't do a fucking thing with it.
1: I mean, that's, that's infuriating. I'm assuming now it would probably be a lot more, but like, so you, it's thirty seven songs and. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, there's, some, there's I mean, some. they
1: dropped they dropped less than a thousand dollars for the rights, roughly for like every song. I mean, maybe some more than others because some of the bands are a little bit bigger or whatever.
0: But yeah, let's 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 take a look at some of these bands here.
1: Yeah, we'll run through it here. We'll just run right through it. We got. I'm not gonna say the songs. I'll just say the yeah. the bands. Uh, and if you do want to listen to this, there's a there is a playlist on Spotify, which is, I went through and listened to it uh, last you know few days.
0: Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of every one of these bands, but I mean. 37 bands
1: like, more than others but we'll, we'll run through it but i mean it's regardless just in terms of like name and notoriety like this is stacked and it's two and a half hours worth of music you got Dimmu Borgir, mm-hmm. shadows fall fear factory in flames strapping young lad
0: Napalm death Agnes anthrax Drax, the Dave haunted Boston. exodus dillinger escape exodus.
1: dillinger escape plan mashuga
0: mashuga early like early mashuga
1: yeah Cradle of Filth, Nightwish, Arch Enemy, Death Angel, Mastodon. Fuck. Fucking Mastodon. <laughs> Jesus Christ. How could you fuck this up? You put Blood and Thunder on a soundtrack and you don't include it in the movie. Crazy. What else? Suffocation, Cataclysm, Bloodbath, All Shall Perish, Samael, Dying <laughs> Fetus, The Haunted, Nemec, Dusen. I had no fucking clue who Dusen was. I, some of these bands I've never heard of.
0: Yeah, same. I mean, I, I, you know, I listened to the soundtrack as well. And some of them stick out a little more than others. And some of them, yeah, like, I, I don't remember that song.
1: I I will say a lot of the, the songs on here did kind of sound the same for some of the bands that I didn't know. Like, they had that, I don't even know what you would call it, just sort of like that early 2000s, like, popular metal kind mm-hmm. of sound. I, 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 I guess, like, Arch Enemy. Is like the sound, I would say. Like a wow. lot of I, there were more than a few where I felt like that was kind of like the sound. So, like, what which ones did you like the most off of it?
0: Got your, your Napalm Death, of course, Bashuga, uh, In Flames. I fucking love In Flames. Kill what me. was
1: the Napalm Death song?
0: Uh, I got it right here. Uh, do, 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 do. Troops of Doom. Oh, Lacuna Coil. I love Lacuna Coil. You know, I've never asked
1: to them and I kind of liked. Didn't, I did I mean it's not really my thing, but if I were to compare that to like Nightwish, I was I actually thought Lacuna Coil was not that bad.
0: Uh, it's it's not always my my kind of thing. I they what they do they do it really well. I respect that. Uh, yeah, when, you know, when I worked at Lucky Thirteen. I got I got a lot of lot of exposure to all these bands. Some of them just stick with you. Some don't. Like Strapping Young Legs That's another one. I just love those guys.
1: Yeah, that was one I liked a lot. Dillinger Escape Plan, Meshuga, Fireball Ministry, I mm-hmm. do it, that one. Uh obviously Mastodon, Suffocation song I like, Bloodbath, Samael.
0: Uh I've never been a big Cradle of Filth fan, but uh, did you ever see his movie, Danny Filth's movie, I think that's his name? No,
1: I've never really been into Cradle of Filth either.
0: If, if not, you want it's it's almost as entertaining as the Veronica movie with the Danzig made. It's <laughs> just it's it's a little more up its own ass. So it's not quite as funny. It's worth a watch. It's, it's worth a watch. It's I no, mean, it's not any good, but it's worth a watch. It's, a, it's one of the, I think it's a trilogy. Like they did, uh, like three different, three different, uh, segments in it. It's, it's, if you could tell it's Danny Fields going, Oh, this can be so disturbing. And you're watching, it's like, oh. you're like this
1: is so fucking stupid. Oh, okay.
0: Okay. Danny. <laughs>
1: I found out that Nightwish made a movie off of one of their albums too. And I was like, you know what? I'll watch it just to see how fucking weird it is.
0: Oh, wow. Okay.
1: I just think it's insulting that you would put together this fucking insanely stacked roster of artists for a soundtrack and then to just supplant it with Christian Slater narrating. Yeah. Like, why? (laughs) And
0: again, there was opportunities throughout the movie you could just throw in fifteen, twenty seconds of one of the songs. You already paid for it. I, there's no reason not to, and it's just—it's just the stupidest shit. I can't well, believe it.
1: It's okay. It Mastodon it yeah. wound up wound up getting Thunder <laughs> featured in uh, The Big Short.
0: <laughs> oh sure, I mean no, they, they, you know, they're fine, but it's just dumb. What? Missed opportunity, I think we'll say is is that.
1: And unfortunately, after that, there's nothing else to do but talk about the movie. So we'll, uh, we'll go through this. Oh, God. All right. You know, it's, I honestly don't even think this is like the worst movie I've seen. Oh, no. It's just, but it, it, it is just bad. Like, there's nothing, there's nothing really in it that's like really offensive. It's just like so vapid
0: and stupid. What it is, it's a waste of time. Yes. That's I didn't crazy. get anything out of it. And, that... and
1: money. Like, if I had paid to see this, I would have been like, I can't believe I paid any actual money.
0: Oh, while, while, you, while you got up there, uh, look at the uh, box office returns. I, I think at one point, this was the lowest uh, lowest uh, grossing movie in the, in the history of movies. Uh, mm-hmm. Up say- until uh, a couple, there's so, some more recent ones, but it did dog shit.
1: Grossed 2.8 million in its opening weekend, and by the end of its run, had grossed 12.7 million worldwide I'm, against I'm a $10 million that. budget. I do believe that the lowest grossing movie is a movie called Zizek's Road, and I think it yeah. made like under $50 and yeah. had Tom Sizemore in it. And, and I've kind of just been obsessed with seeing
0: this movie because I just want to see then, how unremarkable it is. And then he died of embarrassment.
1: That was this year? He passed on? I, 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 I can never remember.
0: Yeah, we're half, almost halfway through this year. I think it was this year. Uh, May the ghost of Tom Sizemore come and correct me if I'm wrong.
1: Uh, Yeah, it was March 3rd of this year.
0: Hey, all right, we're right. Take that, ghost of Tom Sizemore.
1: (laughs) Boy, he's going to come back to haunt this podcast. Yeah.
0: Well, this movie
1: opens with an opening crawl, and uh, this lengthy opening text crawl was added because the test audiences said they did not understand what the fuck was going on in the movie, which kind of makes sense, and Uva Bull narrated the opening text crawl himself, uh, which... Bodiless Bull tells us that an ancient Native American civilization called the Abkhani, or as Bull says, the Abkani. He sounds like Tommy Wiseau.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, have, I have a Tommy Wiseau theory, by the way, if you'd like to hear. I don't want to interrupt too much, but I, I was actually thinking, what would I do if I won a big lottery and I didn't want anybody to know it was me? So I'd have my name changed, I'd move somewhere and maybe make a movie. And I think that's what happened. He probably won a bunch of money somewhere. Attempted plastic surgery, changed his name, and moved to America. and Went, I'm gonna make a movie. That's by Tommy Wiseau, and uh, so that's why he's always so squirrely when everyone asks where he's from. It's like we know you're not from America.
1: <laughs> I mean, that could be. I know that it, like his background, uh, unless it's like come out more. I know that like he's been very like cagey and mysterious mm-hmm. about it, and just like I read the book about the making of that movie that the, the actor made, Greg yeah. Sestero. Uh, he wrote the or he co-wrote the book uh with another guy. It's a great book. Uh it's a master artist. The movie's pretty good too. The movie's uh, good. Yeah, they he he never really is able to pin down where Tommy is from. So like, yeah, I could see how he had like maybe a botched surgery and now he looks more like a human potato. And he's just like, come on, be in my
0: movie. <laughs> yeah, the the part where but anyway, let's get back to the task at hand. So
1: yeah, that's so my th-
0: that's my Tommy Wazoo theory, but I'm sticking with it. So there's
1: this Native American civilization that was called the Abkhani, and they were able to open portals or gates to different worlds, dimensions, and they disappeared and left behind a bunch of artifacts that could open these gates again. The government created Bureau 713, which is their paranormal agency. And I love that this is just a thing
0: in this movie. I also love the fact this is something they could have shown.
1: They could have all done this in like even if they wanted to do like a condensed exposition. Yeah, like a montage. They could, yeah, they could have just done some like, like
0: Evil Dead to it, the very beginning. Yeah. Here's the thing. Off you go.
1: Even like Pacific Rim, that little condensed opening just showing like how the monsters popped up. Like, yeah. you know, it's something. Bureau seven one three has been collecting the Abkani artifacts under the direction of Lionel Hudgens. Ooh, real scary name. The government <laughs> shut Bureau 713. I don't think he's
0: gonna sue you.
1: <laughs> but Hudgens built a lab in a gold mine where perform where he performed experiments to merge orphan children with some of these interdimensional creatures from the Abkani gate portals that he brought in from the darkness zone or whatever it's called I don't know you know I, I kept writing in my notes if this sounds stupid it's because it is yeah and so, you
0: summed it up uh, better than uh, than he did
1: <laughs> I couldn't long the opening like crawl was like the star wars crawls are shorter than that yeah
0: shit. you imagine if like obi-wan kenobi actually read the fucking crawl at you or some guy with like a really thick german accent like <laughs> it just is a time a long of- time ago <laughs> that's by german accent a snooty old british man like
1: oh in a galaxy far far away we see a kid running through the woods at night being pursued by cops uh, who and he has apparently run away from a church orphanage and he hides under an electrical tower and he sees some bad CGI monsters before Edward Carnby wakes up on a plane as Christian right. Slater having a bad dream and berates a little kid for being concerned.
0: A real plucky know-it-all kid too, <laughs> like the kind of kid that shows up in these movies you just want to slap him. The worst airplane ride ever. Be sitting next to one of these kids just asking pre-scripted by adult questions
1: i mean actually it would be the worst to be stuck between the two of them like oh, oh like, my god edward carnby doing his bad jack nicholson voice on one side and i got this fucking little asshole of a kid on the, on the other side of me
0: horrible then the next scene is my favorite scene in the movie
1: which part when the plane goes over and lionel hudgens the crazy doctor is like kill him he calls in that oh right 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 oh, no, narrating.
0: it's where he gets into the cab and he tells the cab driver that he's uh an archaeologist or some shit whatever the fuck he is like a paranormal archaeologist investigator, investigator. <laughs> and the guy's like wow that's cool and then he goes and this guy's trying to kill me he goes well let's get away from him like you yeah. just met this guy. Fuck you. <laughs> get out of my car. Yeah,
1: he's literally just like,
0: hey, you want to get out of here? And
1: he's like, Yeah, man. There's just like this chase scene that just happens out of yeah. nowhere.
0: Just because he's a paranormal dude.
1: Yeah, and they all they wind up like crashing, and the driver of the chasing car escapes over a fence, mm-hmm. which I, somehow Carnby doesn't notice all the while, like his immense trench coat is just sailing about in the wind. And this is all less than 10 minutes into the movie. Like just this
0: ridiculous opening. and Eight, then minutes, these... eight minutes of talking. Yeah. And then this is two minutes.
1: And then there's this hilarious slow motion 360 shot and then bam, fight scene.
0: Yeah. And then people are shooting guns and cops never show up. And like one lady goes, oh my God.
1: The assassin that was trying to kill Carnby gets uh steals the artifact that he had Mm -hmm. and so carnby like disarms a cop and steals his gun and he's shooting the assassin and there's like this inside the gun shot that's Mm -hmm. done in cgi and then follows the bullet into the guy two
0: bullets one shoots through the ice the other one follows so it could actually have a direct line pretty clever
1: the guy doesn't die, and so uh, Christian Slater just, like, starts bitch-smacking him a lot, basically, and then throws him onto a harpoon.
0: And then we go directly to the next scene where he's just walking around.
1: Well, first we, <laughs> actually, yeah, well, first we actually meet Tara Reed's character, Eileen uh-huh. Cedric, and, uh, you know, like I said, she's a scientist, and she's inspecting a delivery of artifacts, and they're super advanced, and blah, 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 none of this shit matters. And we find out that her boyfriend has been missing for some time and that's Carnby. That's, this is all told through extremely forced dialogue. And then meanwhile on a boat, professor Hudgens and a guy with a really deep voice find some more artifacts in the ocean.
0: I was starting to get annoyed at this point because there's all these parts during the fight scenes and I knew that there's 37 songs on the soundtrack. I'm starting to wait. Okay. When's one going to start? And they're not starting yet. It's like, okay, you're saving it for the scary part, or this is when I started realizing we may not hear any songs.
1: And there's no good metal song during any of those fight scenes.
0: No, none. It is stock drum sound.
1: I do like when they pull up the big box from the bottom of the ocean and the guy with the deep voice just says, mm. Is this pure gold?
0: <laughs> that was I had writ that written down too.
1: Best actor in the movie. Yeah,
0: he was pretty great.
1: Carnaby stalks down an alley and there's some motion sickness inducing first person camera work and Slater looks absolutely just lost in this scene which is funny because he's home in this like weird Ooh. new age warehouse loft space uh, and he runs some tests on another artifact. The movie is just jumping between like this scene and Hud's, Hudgens at, on the boat with the artifacts and it's just really bad editing and kind of like the movie is very like ADD it just can't sit still for like yeah, wasn't there
0: like some kind of portly comic relief guy that was with Tara Reed? yeah there's
1: like they're like guys that work for the museum they're bringing stuff in or security guards and they just deliver some like goofy exposition
0: right and the one guy's like dialogue. don't open the box and she's like well I'm gonna open that box
1: if someone tells you to don't open something, you're going to open it. Oh, of course. Which is exactly what Deep Voice Guy does, except the box is a portal to the darkness world. And this also gives Carnby a hell of a headache and winds up waking up a bunch of sleeper people.
0: And- Thanks, Tara Reed. <laughs>
1: And uh, if you don't know what that is, it's these were the other orphans that uh, Hudgens had kidnapped and hybridized with the darkness creature things. And again, if that sounds really stupid, well, that's because it is. It was. All these sleeper hybrids start vacating their homes and head to Carnby's location, I think, or wherever the gate is. I'm not quite sure.
0: Yeah, I'm already, I'm getting bored again just talking about it. <laughs>
1: So Hudgens had was on the boat. He hid in a like cabin to you know avoid being murdered by all of the darkness monsters. Everyone else is dead, and he finds this little artifact in the coffin. He just like pulls it out, mm-hmm. and then Stephen Dorff enters the picture as well right. as Stephen Dorff's
0: hair. Oh, fabulous!
1: He has some incredible hair in this movie. I can't mm-hmm. even really describe it. It's like a, it's like a not. It's like a junior mullet
0: it's like the the mullet your mom lets you have in seventh grade
1: yeah exactly except he's like you know 40 now yeah again i can't believe this movie found room for two dudes with like grim weaselly voices but it did Mm -hmm. and dorf plays richard burke commander richard burke who leads bureau 713 after carnby had left
0: Uh, and guess who he doesn't get along with
1: would it shock you that it's carnby
0: what They should be fast
1: friends. I also like that the subtext uh, for Bureau 713 labels it as the Agency for Paranormal Investigations, or the API. They look like they have a pretty sizable budget, considering that they're basically Ghostbusters. Yeah. Carnby wakes up from another nightmare about his past because uh, his little Barbie phone starts ringing, and it's a friend calling to say that her husband has just disappeared. We get some more narration from Carnby saying, excuse me, saying people who were crossed you know, hybridize some lost their humanity and some didn't, and kind of rejoined society or became sleepers. And he's going to find this missing person. It just occurred to me now watching the movie that it takes place in San Francisco. Had no idea.
0: Well that explains all the crime.
1: Carnby calls in a favor to find uh the missing person, John Dylan. Hey, look at that. Same name. Uh I have nothing to do with this movie, I swear. <laughs> he visits the orphanage, and the nun who was there 22 years ago looks exactly the same, and he tells her something weird is happening, and he wants to find the others because it's happening again, whatever it is. I also well, love the missing like persons thing. Database is 1-800-CALL-IN. You can call in a number, and it's 1-800-555-LOST. We should
0: try calling that. <laughs>
1: The FMPP Missing Persons Database. Are you seeing if it's a real number? I'm gonna try. Let's see what happens. This call may be recorded for quality assurance. Oh my! God. We have a special promotion today for select callers. <laughs> Rapid pickup. Thank you for calling the Medical Alert Center.
0: This is Jessica on a recorded line. Can you ah, hear me? Okay. I'm fine, thanks. <laughs> Rose, medical alert! They have a promotion. They tricked me into calling medical alert. Now there's going to be ambulances coming to my house.
1: <laughs> oh my god! Incredible. Hopefully they don't star sixty nine you.
0: Yeah, I'm going to turn my phone off for a little while now. <laughs> Avoidance is key. Hey. Carnby
1: winds up speaking with an old friend named Fish who openly asks, why am I doing this? He also worked at the agency sure. or does something currently at the agency.
0: He's now our like 110th character we've been introduced to in this movie.
1: <laughs> yeah, we just meet people. Yeah. He has tracked down some of the fellow orphanage members in as much as they also disappeared. Carnby then goes to see Tara Reed. And, uh, you know, this is when we find out, oh, he's the one who's been missing for a while. She hugs him. She slaps him. And then he shows her what he found in the Amazon for six weeks while tracking poachers and then fell in with the Chilean military who were selling artifacts on the black market. That's literally what he said.
0: Mm -hmm. And she's like, I hate you.
1: (laughs) She says, uh, oh, this is. Abkani, this artifact is Abkani, but she's puzzled as to why all the pieces have been buried far apart. Pretty difficult to describe how little direction is happening in these scenes. I feel like these are all first takes.
0: Oh, there's no doubt about that. That's not even in question.
1: (laughs) The lights go out at the museum and something starts growling in the dark as the derpy security guard we talked about before goes to look. This guy practically takes an entire tour of the museum before Dr. Tara Reed says the hair on the back of her neck is standing up. And finally, a horrible CGI tentacle claw kills the security guard. It belongs to a weird reptilian monster thing that also vaguely looks like the alien that is mostly portrayed by growls and occasionally horrendous CGI. It chases Carnby and Dr. I, Tara I, I wrote
0: down that the CGI for this 2005 video game ad- adaptation looks like it was at least made in 2010 video game cutscenes.
1: <laughs> it chases Carnby and Dr. Terry through the museum to a storage closet uh where they hide before Carnby shoots it shoots at it and it runs away. Bureau 713 commandos crashing through the skylight of the museum right on cue because man this is just getting stupider by the second. Mm-hmm. This is 35 minutes into the movie and I don't think any of the soundtrack has shown up. You said it was, what, 53 57 minutes? 57 minutes. 57 minutes. The commandos open fire on the now half-invisible... Oh, Three minutes,
0: monster. I'm sorry.
1: The commandos open fire on the now half-invisible reptilian monster, and it runs off as they take over the site. It just feels like a bad version of Aliens.
0: I had written down in my notes that Alone in the Dark is accurate, because when I'm alone in the dark, I get very sleepy. <laughs>
1: Steven Dorf and Christian Slater or Burke and Carnby uh, catch up again. As you said, they don't really like each other and Burke demands answers and Carnby wants back in, but he's told to fuck off. They have a little man fight before he uh, makes off with Burke's ID badge. Real good
0: commander there. Yeah. And, you know, it seems like they have a history. So it's not like he wouldn't know that he might try something like this. But, oh, that crafty, what's his name? Carnby. Carnby.
1: Crafty Carnby.
0: Sounds like an Irish supper.
1: <laughs> or an Irish cocktail. Yeah. Dr. Tara Reed goes back to her office to get her stuff as Burke has her trailed by a fellow commando. Carnby goes to visit Fish again, who's performing an autopsy on a body that has Carnby's fingerprints on it. It's uh, There's another flashback to the Artifacts, thank you, movie, because Carnby killed this guy. It's the bald assassin from before. There's really right, no right. suggestion about that it is that guy. He's just like, has to say, oh, this is the assassin from before because he's covered up in a blanket and he's cutting his spine open.
0: (laughs) Was he smoking a cigarette while doing that too?
1: I don't remember, but that would be fucking awesome if he was. It turns out that this assassin is ex-Bureau713 and he has something fused to his spinal cord, some kind of like ridge dildo with spines or as this movie puts it, a symbiote. Uh, If you've you've seen Stargate SG-1, it's the same thing as the Ga'ul basically wormy thing takes over the host. Uh, It turns out that Carnby has one too, which Fish says he can't remove because it could paralyze him. And Carnby just thinks it is dead, which is an incredibly stupid thing to think Is it Hedges? Hudgens. I wrote Hedges. Mm. (laughs) Lionel Bush... Hudgens visits Dr. Tara Reed while she was getting her stuff and gets real alarmed when he sees she's researching some important data before he gets taken, uh he gets taken away by commandos. Their body armor is really funny looking, and the reason for that is every piece of body armor worn by the various extra foot soldiers during the major battle scenes and otherwise is paintball body armor protection made it by sure is. USA. <laughs> it's so low, low budget.
0: They probably they probably just went to like a paintball tournament and just walked out with the uniforms.
1: They probably right. went to a paintball tournament and walked out with the people that were in the paintball tournament. Oh, there's
0: that too. Yeah. To in
1: this movie. <laughs>
0: want to be in our stupid goddamn movie?
1: One of the monsters has been captured by Hudgens, uh, which he takes a blood sample from and then injects into himself.
0: As and one does.
1: Fish says the creatures are called xenoms. Not sure if that is spelled with a X or a Z. Zinoms.
0: Xenoms.
1: And they have only been a nuisance in rural areas before moving into San Francisco. They're weak to bosmium, platinum, and gold, which can disrupt their electrical connection to I I, th- I just wrote, good lord, this is some fucking bullshit.
0: Uh yeah, they sound like hill people.
1: <laughs> We're just being invaded by hillbillies. Yeah. Carnby we'll gets the
0: gold.
1: A- <laughs> Carnby gets a tracker for them, and also a lamp that, when set to certain light frequencies, I'm not sure if that's proper science, but sure.
0: Pert- we'll let them have it.
1: Uh, so- Carnby is also given bullets coated in photon accelerated luminescent resin. Words.
0: Try to prove that that's not a th- real thing.
1: So Carnby uses his little Game Boy Advance tracker while expositing about how close to the truth he is. Whatever truth that
0: is. He says the word the truth a lot. <laughs>
1: the truth. That yeah. truth. The truth. I'll see if it exists, but there should be a compilation of Christian Slater just saying the truth. Yeah. Probably is about like a minute. Right, yeah. long
0: Sylvester before. Sloan saying the law. And uh... <laughs> Yeah.
1: <laughs> you betrayed the law. No. <laughs> Another fucking incredible bit of filmmaking
0: and just lovely
1: carnby strips down and sleeps in his jeans for a while dr tara reed shows up in her yellow convertible volkswagen beetle to look at artifacts and stare at carnby's exposed back Mm. commander burke calls fish into the control room to remind him how big his forehead is and that he Uh can grab a pizza with carnby unless he wants to get fired so he tasks him with dumping over all the data he has on him at his house that evening, Fish is reading Carnby's file in the dark for some reason, while his wife goes to get the door, only to find out that she is actually dead, killed by Professor what? Huggins, who also chokes out Fish and then drops a parasitic symbiote into his mouth, thus turning him into a hybrid.
0: Oh boy. Yeah. That almost sounds like something.
1: There, there was an idea there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very quickly abandoned, uh, very quickly ran out of gas. Dr. Tara Reed says the Abkhani use constellations to pinpoint locations and that the artifacts locations denote important sites or places to go. Then the Xenomes show up to interrupt the exposition, and Carnesby grimly stalks through a room seemingly made out of plywood boxes before he sees John Dillon, who attacks him.
0: I made note of those uh, of that set as well. I wrote cyberpunk. <laughs> it
1: looks so bad. It's just like, mm. hey, we need to borrow any random crate you have laying mm-hmm. around uh, Yeah warehouse in uh, fucking Bayonne, New Jersey. Whatever you can loan us.
0: This is coming up on another one of my favorite lines in the movie.
1: (laughs) Carnby uh, shoots John Dillon as more of the sleeper hybrids come running in and jumping through windows as well as another Xenome. And I just feel like I'm playing Turok Dinosaur Hunter again because that's like the quality of these graphics. Like I Mm -hmm. think Reptile looked better in Mortal Kombat honestly.
0: (laughs) It was around this time too there was at least one good death scene. Uh, yeah. one, one decent practical death scene. Hey,
1: they tried. Yeah. I think someone, I think, or someone's arm gets ripped off, or there's some blood. I guess,
0: I uh, yeah, something like that.
1: It's yeah, it's pretty straightforward, but it's like, hey, we finally got some like latex, yeah. like flesh getting ripped up and some blood.
0: Carnby remarks
1: that he feels bad for killing John Dillon before we get some. We finally get some fucking metal as Carnby yeah. and Bureau Seven One Three Commandos open fire on a pack of xenomes in a hilarious confusing, and hyper shootout set to Ghost by the ma- by the band Nemec. Lots of CGI bullets and flashing lights. Uh, this is not a good scene for people with epilepsy.
0: Uh, right before, yeah, th- during that scene, I wrote down, whoever was the light flicker on set?
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. It's just the just light. Look- it, it just, oh, it's awful. It's like nauseating to watch.
0: There was a spinal cord kill right at that point. Spinal cord pops out of the guy's back, and it was pretty cool.
1: It was probably one of like the few cool things in the movie,
0: or maybe it was just cool because it was finally something.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was a it was something interesting happened. So the commandos clear the area as Burke shows up in his all of his epic Stephen Dorfness and his amazingly terrible hair, who tells Carnby to drop his weapon because he's infected. A stray shot interrupts them as more hybrids attack, and then something truly amazing happens. As Burke is taking down a hybrid that appeared through the magic of editing, Mm -hmm. Carnby yells his name as he fires his rifle at him, actually killing a hybrid that was sneaking up behind him. We can clearly see the animated bullet going, I don't know, anywhere between five to eight feet above the target's head, but she drops like a sack of hammers anyway.
0: It's delightful.
1: Amazing. Absolutely Mm -hmm. like the pinnacle of cinema. But Carnby saved Burke, so plot development
0: hey, they're pals.
1: I had to go back and watch that scene a couple of times. It was pretty amazing, like to just see how absolutely just brain dead everybody was making this movie. Or at least brain uh, dead
0: is Uva uh, Bowl. We, we, by this time they can't get their refunds we're over an hour in.
1: <laughs> more kung fu fighting before more stalking down dark corridors with the commandos as we segue into an even worse Aliens ripoff, I mean, homage, <coughs> excuse me, to the hybrids taking out more of the commandos. Sadly, not more uh, weird lizard monsters, but uh, super strong zombie people. I guess this did come out after Resident Evil and that was a huge hit and also based on a video game. So uh, it still doesn't really give it a pass though. Pardon B demands to speak with the manager. I mean, know what the hell is going <laughs> on before Burke shows up and says, Fish yeah. is missing with Professor Hudgens. They want to find out what Hudgens has to do with this. We already know this. The beginning of the movie told us this. Just watch the movie, guys. Or don't. <laughs> they mobilize out to find out what Hudgens has to do with this, decked out in their Nerf body armor and hummers, as they make their way to the old gold mine where the experiments were being done. I do like their uh, uh, headquarter radio lady. She's cool. And Steven Dorf demands more men at the gold mine to raid the underground lab. Nobody tells Dorf no. This is, again, this is a Stephen Dorf Stan account.
0: Is this around the time when they run into a brick wall and someone actually says, Someone's been here? I believe so. Uh,
1: There's some smooth saxophone playing as Carnby enters the mine. So uh, we're either getting uh, horny or having a flashback. And he said, This is where we need to go. I believe he's like talking about a a brick wall or a brick wall in question or something like that.
0: When I I, I see a brick wall, I, I think to myself, clearly someone's been here before
1: <laughs> also maybe stop although that being said i was very lost here like i still was just like why are we going I, Like, i like,
0: still have no idea
1: like who's going in like or who was in here what What exactly was going on in here i mean okay maybe i do know what's going on it was the gold mine but like who's still well, in? because you
0: read the plot synopsis <laughs>
1: it was told to us at the beginning of the movie and i've forgotten what it is the cast also looks lost it just I, what i feel like the production of this movie was that they just were like, we're just going to film you doing these things and then cobble it together at the end and fill in the rest with like bad computer graphics. That's what I think happened.
0: So, yeah. And then we're going to flicker some lights and
1: <laughs> barely play any heavy metal music.
0: Yeah. For example, you just said saxophone music. There was saxophone music.
1: Not Sugar," Not hypocrisy. Not bloodbath. Saxophone. Saxophone. This mine is all wet and drippy. And uh, I actually don't think Tara Reid has said anything for like 20 minutes now, too, which could be a good or a bad thing. Burke finds a dead end to check out as they get the power back on at the mine. In the cave uh, at the dead end, they find some engravings as the floor falls in, killing a commando who lands on a bunch of spikes. Professor Hudgens unleashes his army of CGI lizard cats to attack the Bureau of 713 Commandos who are guarding the entrance. And they have four hours until dawn. Fish then appears behind the commando, who turned the power back on and pulls the pin on his grenade, and they explode. So all the lights are off, and the not alien monsters can attack without worry. Inside the mine, Carnby, Dr. Tara Reed, and Burke Dorf climb down a ladder and have to evade another falling ceiling and barely escape it. One of the commandos with them, the badass Asian lady, breaks her leg. Aw, I liked her. She was like she, one of the only cool She people. tried. She tried. She tried very hard uh, to be good in this bad movie. And the Xenomes uh, start to slaughter the commandos on the surface. The walls are also engraved with skulls, which is kind of cool, actually. More engravings of symbols are found and warn them, once you get down here alive, you're already dead. Very deep. Oh, I like, no. I like to think one of the lizard monsters wrote that and was like... <laughs>
0: Little goth lizard, lizard monster. <laughs> it has got black lipstick and black eyeliner. We're already dead.
1: CGI helicopters can't stop the monsters as they kill off more of the commandos and they also crash choppers. A yep. serpent slithers through the sand of the gold mine and stings the commando. A commando before Carnby tosses it away and they start blindly firing into the sand. And I love that they're just shooting at the dirt. It's so stupid. They're just like, and I'm picturing just Uvable being like, shoot over here, shoot over here, now shoot over here, shoot over here. I will punch you. (laughs) I I will box you if you do not shoot at the invisible snake. (laughs) The badass commando lady dies, RIP, and they have to move on. We also finally get some decent gore as the remaining commandos get picked off and one dude has his arm ripped off. That That was great. One commando stays behind to buy time while the other descends into the mine. Carnby finds that brick wall and they rig a bunch of- the There it is. Into it in order to breach. We are treated to some more grim stalking with the no-name command, uh, commando as he walks through a warehouse, I guess, and finds another commando with a head split. Sorry. And finds another commando with a split head and then gets killed by bad CGI.
0: Yes, he does. And you know, I have uh, written down uh, for the head split was, seen it! <laughs> Like i was impressed with the arm that was pretty good but then
1: they didn't need to do the head carnby and company find the lab inside where the hybrids were created with the orphans they even find carnby's bed unless the bed was also named carnby in which case that's a weird coincidence burke gets mad and flips a table and then they find another chamber they can use one of the artifacts as a key but Burke and Dr. Tara Reed warn Carnby that some doors should remain closed, and he decides not to open it. Then the other commando with him. He's them- banned
0: from ever flipping over a table ever again.
1: <laughs> it was so. I loved it. It was just like, I, I imagine that it was just 80 and what he actually said was, What am I doing in this? Ah! <laughs> Then the other commando with them gets shot in the head as Professor Hudgens appears with a rifle. He asks if Carnby remembers this, saying that he was his biggest failure after he, es- after he escaped and Bureau 713 shot, uh, shut him down. Not shot so, him down. If they shot him, then we would be without this movie and we'd all be in a better place.
0: Words hurt, you know. <laughs> and by the way, you know why uh, all of this works? It's because we care about the characters,
1: Dylan. <laughs> I mean, I think if Tara we didn't Reed, care
0: about the characters, this would be complete nonsense, but
1: <laughs> Dr. Terry Reed hands over the artifact and he inserts another piece and then uses it to open the door. Carnby says, Don't be insane and open that door. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say that to people who are like walking into just some like you know, they're like walking into some store. I want to be like, Don't be insane and open that door. Yeah. <laughs> See how they react. They shoot him, and uh, he conveniently still opens the door, and inside is this giant, misty chamber full of weird stone columns and lots of xenoms who start popping out of holes in the wall. Carnby seals the chamber to slow their escape as they make their way back to the surface— and Steven Dorf remarks that the detonator isn't working for explosives that were planted. And uh, I guess I missed that part, but uh, he leaves anyway to go make sure the bomb explodes.
0: I made note of that too. I went, at least the movie's almost fucking over. I really don't.
1: <laughs> Whenever a bomb is introduced, you know that the movie is probably going to end soon. Yes. Uh, Carnby and Dr. Tara Reid rush to escape. Uh, Burke finds a bunch of fires a bunch of bullets at nothing I mean like literally nothing none of the monsters are remotely close he's just shooting at a green screen and he retrieves the bomb he detonates it as Carnby shoots out the lock of a door on some random person's property and he and Tara Reed escape Stephen Dorff dies RIP Steven Dorff or so we think Dorf lives. Well, and inexplicably, Carnby and Dr. Reed show up right outside of Sister Clara's house, the nun from before. Yeah. Uh, she's dead, of course, and Carnby is sad and we get some real acting here. Also, the camera is wildly tilted. <laughs> I think it is for a lot of this movie.
0: The old Dutch angle. Yes, it's uh, Yeah,
1: it's just slightly off uh, like So many Dutch
0: angles everyone was wearing clogs. <laughs>
1: Back in San Francisco, or wherever the fuck we are now, we find out that the city's been evacuated as Carnby and Dr. Tara Reed walk through the vacant streets. I'm not really sure why or when it was evacuated. It seemed like most of the action wasn't super widespread, but okay. Carnby
0: uh, tells us... i never been part of a whole place being evacuated, but I would imagine it takes some time.
1: It was like in the blink of an eye. Yeah. Just empty, you know? I I couldn't, I don't remember. I want to say that uh, 28 Days Later came out before this because the ending just reminded me of the beginning of 28 Days Later. Mm. Oh yeah, 28 Days Later came out in 2002. So the ending of this movie is just the beginning of that, except not in London, it's in San Francisco. And I'm sure Bull was like, well, it's going to be empty and it's going to be so cool. And it's clearly just ripped off from 28 Days Later.
0: Yeah. Well, Um, I don't know, you're assuming that he's ever watched a movie. (laughs) <laughs> I, I really true. don't know if he has
1: Well he said that uh, The movie that inspired him Was um, A boxcar Or a streetcar named Desire So he watched that movie And then said oh I'm going to make Alone in the Dark It's going to be Just like a streetcar named Desire
0: You know what this makes me never Want to do is make a movie just in case it accidentally Inspires someone <laughs> in to this
1: is a great example of like if you are if you want to make a movie watch this and it'll tell you every way not to make a movie so carnby tells us via narration that actually maybe everybody was wiped out by the interdimensional monsters like the Abkhani was and the movie ends with a first person shot of a snarly monster rushing at carnby like an evil dad
0: and we don't even get to see them die
1: nope we can only hope and that's how this incredibly stupid and convoluted movie ends. And then
0: the second metal song finally shows up.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't recall what it is. I
0: don't either. I was fairly well checked out by that
1: time. <laughs> I, it I, I think uh, Nightwish, "Wish I had an angel or whatever that goofy song is, plays um, at, in the credits, which uh, my friends and I had a lot of fun bagging on that song in high school and uh, still pretty corny also uva bull directed the music video for that and it includes clips of this movie in it
0: oh so it's the worst music video ever
1: (laughs) yes he directed one of the worst movies ever and he probably directed one of the worst music videos ever
0: right up there with that billy squire one where he's wearing his pajamas and flailing around with pillows
1: also directed by uva bull
0: obviously (laughs) Yeah, uh like I said,
1: the storytelling is about on par with that of a the conspiracy theory and this movie boasts some truly inept filmmaking. Oh, I think boy. inept is like the best way to describe this.
0: Movie. And it's the the problem with it of course is that it's not fun inept. No. It's 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 a slog. This was really it, like I said earlier, it's just it's just a waste of time. It's don't watch it.
1: No, I would not encourage anybody to watch this. The action's lame, the lore's fucking stupid and thrown together. And, and they just squander a completely awesome heavy metal soundtrack
0: yo you watch the uh cradle of filth movie instead if you want to <laughs> see I anything I don't know I'm like I don't even really like that one but it's better Danny filth made a better movie
1: Danny filth made three
0: movies that were better than this but all in one movie
1: oh okay understood that's okay.
0: I should probably clip. yeah so it's a what do you call it? the segments I, I I got no brain right now
1: Yeah, after this, I don't blame you Uh, Yeah, so don't fucking watch this This movie is pretty bad Um, Like, I don't know if it's I don't think it's the worst movie I've ever seen No, It's pretty bad Like, I'm not gonna say that But it didn't really piss me off You know, other than I kind of wish I had my 90 minutes back But whatever
0: I watched a movie uh, Four or five years ago And if I ever see a movie worse than it I might just kill myself. It's called <laughs> Lo- Loquitia. It's not even close. It's the worst fucking... It's, the, 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 uh, it's about uh, a guy who becomes a radio DJ pretending to be a sassy black woman. Oh, boy. And people love her advice. And then when he gets found out, or th- so then he has to hire an, a, an actual sassy black woman to make public appearances. And it, it's oh, I, I, if you could if you can make it through that movie, I will, I will I'll give you a hug because you'll. Was,
1: was it just like anti-comedy?
0: No, the guy—he was just one of those stupid fucking guys. Uh, everybody's like apologizing to him for offending him. The Whole movie. Like at one point the lady says, You're a better black woman than I could ever be.
1: Oh god. So it's
0: oh Jesus. It's like that. Ooh, Every scene. Rough. I hope I hope they paid her well to say that to him. <laughs> I really do. Oh now my is god.
1: the guy is he black or is he
0: oh no, he's he's just a fresh faced white guy, the kind of face you'd like to slap. The kind of face that shows up at the Capitol to riot
1: woof <laughs> that yeah. sounds bad it
0: was bad
1: Maybe, i guess if i had to choose between that it sounds like i would rather watch alone in the dark
0: oh I'd, I'd watch it six times in a row
1: it is also like i said weird as fuck how like mundane the movie is it yeah, takes no chances more. it doesn't do anything interesting it just is incompetent and it's remarkable how much it fucks up for uh, a movie that is so like so straightforward and yet so complicated
0: yeah and so much of it is just told, like, just narrated. Like like I said, earlier in the movie, he's talking about his childhood then just goes, you know, basically goes, but that's a whole other story or something. Like, we'll never see it. You know, we're going to, uh, the opening crawl. Perfect example. Right there, we know we're in trouble because they explain a lot of things they could have shown. And they do not. So it's, everybody, it's basically like going to a campfire story and hearing... A German guy with a bad accent uh, try to tell you a scary story, but he's also very stupid.
1: <laughs> and then he wants to box you when you don't. And then
0: he wants to box you when you say that was stupid.
1: Besides Alone in the Dark and uh, Laquisha, have you been watching any good movies or anything else uh, worth mentioning?
0: I had a, I had a run a couple of months ago. I'm sorry, I was actually looking it up. I was going to try to. I had a really good run. One was called Sledgehammer. Low budget uh, movie where a guy kills people with a sledgehammer. Pretty good. I rewatched Evil Ed, which was awesome. Uh, Dangerous Men was absolutely amazing.
1: Oh, is that that like really like weird, almost like nonsensical?
0: Yeah. It was made over the course of like 20 years or something.
1: Yeah. So oh, my. So this was it. I just heard about that movie. It sounds bizarre and really out there
0: yeah war of the wizards
1: <laughs> that sounds great
0: yeah freeway maniac was my, my favorite one that i've seen recently of like a, of a good bad movie i had a, i had a really good run there for a minute uh yeah sledgehammer was absolutely phenomenal
1: i watched uh, I closed out the Gamora trilogy from the 90s into the 2000s oh nice
0: that's that's a fun one
1: yeah the third one is great Camera Three, Revenge of Iris. It's Mm -hmm. one of the best kaiju movies. I watched Kona the Destroyer for the first time. Arnold punches a horse and a camel in that movie.
0: He sure does.
1: And uh, Grace Jones was fucking awesome in that with her little. Yeah,
0: that one. um, It's
1: not great, but I'd be lying if I didn't kind of have a good time watching
0: it. Yeah, no, I. Yeah. They got away with a lot for PG 13, too. I I would have benefited by being full R, but. They managed to like when they're pulling the horn off that dude's head. That's pretty that's pretty grim. You
1: mean Andre the Giant.
0: That was Andre the Giant?
1: Yeah, Andre the Giant is the that the suit actor for Yeah, uh, oh, that's cool. Agoth at the end of the movie. I actually I did not know that. I uh, we rewatched the Color Out of Space which I think is kind of a hot and cold movie, but like when it's good, it's really good.
0: Uh who did Richard Stanley directed that one, right?
1: Yeah, unfortunately he sucks.
0: Yeah. The not story cool. about Richard Stanley trying to direct uh, the movie of Marlon Brando and Val Kilmer. Oh, the Island of Dr. Moreau. Yeah, there's, there's a documentary to... about that, which is absolutely fascinating.
1: Yeah, I I do want to see that. I've read about it. Yeah, he, just... he dressed up
0: like an extra so he could see how they're ruining his movie.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I watched this movie on Shutter. Uh, I think I think Vinegar Syndrome might have just put out a release of it uh, called Primal Rage, not to be confused with the dinosaur fighting game. But uh, it is basically a precursor to 28 Days Later, but set at a Florida college campus in the 80s. So, you know, figured that the rage virus would originate in Florida. Uh, And it's basically about um, a monkey that's getting like hormone experiments done on it or something with its brain. And it bites a bunch of people and turns them into like savage, aggressive, aggro, bloodthirsty hyper zombies. It was actually like pretty good. I liked it.
0: Vinegar uh, Syndrome knows what they're doing.
1: Yeah, yeah, they do. I, they're doing their, I mean, as of this recording, they're doing their um, halfway to Black Friday sale. So I picked up a few things from that.
0: Nice. Uh, um, you watched uh, uh, New York Ninja, right?
1: I have not watched New York oh. Ninja. Might, might add that.
0: Yeah. So, uh, I, I have a suggestion. Uh, if you ever want me back, uh, there's a movie, it's a heavy metal movie. Uh, I think it's it's, uh, the soundtrack is only like one or or like two or three songs, but they're legit metal songs. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's called day of the beast. It's a Spanish movie.
1: I've heard of this movie. It's on my list to check. out. It's
0: really good. Uh, It's also got my favorite movie. Hesher. Uh, The guy who runs this record store. He's just like the perfect Hesher. And he's wonderful. The whole movie is just great. All
1: right. I would
0: recommend that one. It's not bad. It's the unfortunate thing, but. After this, I think we we owe it to ourselves.
1: <laughs> the guy who did the effects in Primal Rage, uh, Carlo Rimbaldi also did uh, created Dagoth from the end of Code of the Destroyer. Oh, okay. But uh, but yeah, I liked Primal Rage. I thought it was fun. I, I thought Let's it was finish. actually like pretty good. I wasn't expecting much, but I wound up really liking it. Uh, I watched Life Force, the space vampire yep. movie by Toby Hooper, uh, that starring
0: movie, that naked lady.
1: <laughs> that movie is nude tastic.
0: Yeah, uh,
1: the main character was pretty
0: first on-screen kiss too. It's with a man.
1: It's with Patrick Stewart. <laughs> I do wish we got some more space bat monsters, but yeah. like, overall, I did enjoy it. I thought it was like a pretty, pretty good like throwback to like 1950s horror monster movies but you know for the 80s or whatever it came out
0: yeah Yeah, Uh, that was a staple on cinemax when i was a little kid
1: also watched hellraiser 5 inferno i'm sorry that that is a very weird movie (laughs) that is a really really fucking weird movie but i laughed a lot during it so it had that going for it
0: i saw one that i hated almost as much as lakeisha recently i can't find record of her and i'll let you know about another time but i won't watch it again but then i realized that that It made me laugh out loud once. I went, already, right, it's better than <laughs> it could ever be.
1: We also watched the Frontline documentary about Clarence Thomas and Jenny Thomas. And we Ooh. live in a bad country.
0: <laughs> we really do. They're <laughs> terrible.
1: Also started re-watching Neon Genesis Evangelion with my partner Sarah, and man, it's so fucking good. It's one of my favorite shows of all time. It's super, super good. Highly recommend.
0: I remember when they were... Uh when Brett Kavanaugh was up for the Supreme court and everyone was just saying like, that it's unfair that everyone's treating him like this. It's like, this is a lifetime appointment job. It's not like getting a job as a cashier. You know, you're supposed to be run through the coals. We have to make sure you're not a piece of shit.
1: The same thing happened. Like Clarence Thomas got put on the court and they were just like, okay, fine.
0: Off you go. Hey, it's still fucking everything up.
1: Music wise. I been there's been a lot of good music coming out that I've been enjoying. Really like this band called Chain to the Bottom of the Ocean, which they named themselves after a thou song. Uh, Their new album fucking rocks. The riffs rule for an hour and six minutes. I think it's really worth your time. They kick ass live too. I saw them opening up for Indian earlier in the year. Nice. Uh, Kralis has a new album out. It's super synthy. I think Colin Marston should do a sci-fi soundtrack. That would be very cool.
0: That's a really good idea, actually.
1: I found out about this Greek post sludge band called Alucuria, and I've never heard of them, but I really dig it. It's got some like wide scale dynamics that I think give it a really extra push. First time I've ever listened to the black metal band Volcandra. They have a new album out. It's called hail the abyss. And this is like kind of the black metal. I like where it's fast, but has nice slow parts, and grooves and bounce. So I'll have to listen to more of their stuff along with obscura same guy from that band. Tenarowin has a new album out. I'm seeing
0: them uh, on Monday. Oh, oh next awesome. Monday.
1: Oh, that's awesome. I'm going to be in Portland, unfortunately. Oh,
0: fuck. Yeah, I love Tenarowin. Oh,
1: they're so fucking good. Anybody that doesn't know this band, they're a Tuareg uh, rock collective that performs desert blues. Um, they're a group of people that inhabit the Sahara Desert. Mm-hmm. And the new album is just, it's so fucking good. It's definitely going to be in my year-end list. And they incorporated the banjo on this one, which surprised me. Okay. like It sounded really good. I dude. haven't heard the new
0: album yet. That uh, I forgot that that was out. But uh, Oh, man, dude. i have never listened to it them. before I see him live.
1: I'm so jealous you're going to see them. It's
0: going to be I, so good. So I had tickets to see them right at the top of the pandemic, and they had to cancel. Oh. And then they were going to come around again and had to cancel. So it's finally happening. Nice. Uh, I saw uh, Voivod, and the opening band was a local band called Imperial Triumphant, who I'd never heard of.
1: Yes, they're like kind of an uh, avant-garde black metal band.
0: Yeah, they're, they're like, like black it. metal but goofy. <laughs> they're,
1: they're like, they're very like jazzy and fast. Yeah. It's very like, it's kind of mathy almost. Mm-hmm. It's like almost like mathy
0: black The metal drummer band. is fucking amazing.
1: Yeah, I, they have like pretty insane timing. Like just then, like they're, they're really tight. Like they clearly have to like be in like unison to, to play that shit.
0: Yeah. And then Voivod, of course came out and just absolutely destroyed
1: Still haven't seen Voivod.
0: Oof. Do it. Do it.
1: Uh, also, Kane Surprise released a new album, and I am very happy that they are back at it making bleak ass music. It's hmm. fucking awesome. And Mournful Congregation put out the Exuviae of Gods Part Two, which is some of, if not the best, funeral doom out
0: there. Oh, very good. So,
1: I also did go see Conan with Thra at St. Vitus, and that fucking rocked.
0: Yeah, I missed that one.
1: Oh, so good. Talked to John for a bit after the set. Uh, he was on an episode of Diary of Doom previously and uh, got the set list, so shout out to John for that. Yeah, other than that, I've just been uh, playing a lot of uh, Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, which is a fucking gigantic video game, mm-hmm. and uh, got back into reading the, gr- the comic book series Grendel by Matt Wagner, which is very good.
0: I got, uh, I, got a, I got a book. I haven't read it yet. It's not really even a reading book. I got a cookbook <laughs> uh called mosh potatoes and it's recipes that band members use while they're on the road
1: oh that's fun
0: yeah it's pretty cool it's like 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 big name dudes too now hold on gonna take
1: a really go grab it i'm gonna grab it. oh yeah so
0: here it is
1: mosh potatoes by steve seaberry
0: got a mini cheesecake uh by bunny uh ronnie monroe from metal church <laughs> Ryan Clark from Demon Hunter has a mashed potato sandwich. Ball Sack from Guar's got one in here. Shrimp Clits on Grit Cakes. Shrimp
1: Clits on Grit Cakes.
0: Yeah. Uh, Nebula. A lot of good bands in here. Uh, Zach Wild's got an Italian spaghetti sauce.
1: (laughs) That one might actually be decent. Yeah. Sounds sensible.
0: John Bush from Armored Saint has a trailer park shepherd's pie. <laughs> Blaze Bailey, sausage curry. I mean, can't go wrong. Which, oh, Lemmy has one in there. I don't, I don't want to give away that. because It's actually a pretty good joke. Uh, this is a bottle.
1: It's just a bottle of Jack
0: Daniels. <laughs> it's just a bunch of shit and you set it on fire.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well... Uh, that was Alone in the Dark and all the Eat. other good movies that we've been watching. Uh, Andy, is there uh, do you want to plug your band and let people know where they can find out about EAT and whatever you're up to? Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, you can find us on all the platforms. Um, type it in E-A-T, all uppercase. There, is a, there was a British band called EAT, but it was all lowercase. And we didn't know about it when we named our band. I'm not naming. They broke up a long time ago, so fuck them. We got the name now. <laughs> We're not like trying to steal their sound or nothing, so fuck them. Anyway, uh, we have got two albums out. We are about halfway done writing our third album. I'll be spending some time finishing that up here uh, over the next couple of months. Try to get back in the studio. Yeah, that's about it.
1: And your frontman had a book coming out.
0: Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He uh, so he wrote a a comprehensive tell-all book about uh, Metallica called uh the 2495 book Uh, and it's really good he's he's a very talented writer he's a weird guy but he's a talented writer um for
1: 33 and a third yeah okay
0: and then he is currently writing for 30 yeah no that that was uh that was actually had a publisher for that one this one is uh his new one is he's writing a book about body counts uh cop killer album and that is due out in september on 33 and a third
1: awesome
0: well, so yeah he's finishing interested. up the second book
1: if you're interested in those you can pick those up somewhere
0: <laughs> yeah no the metallica book you can find anywhere it's in all the bookstores or online and the uh, the other one will be in september and if you want to follow us on the instagrams we're eat underscore the band and then you'll see a picture of me and you'll go i know that guy
1: you can't actually eat the band though
0: well you could <laughs> I mean, we would have to be unconscious and you'd to be um, really hungry. Uh, we're all we're all pretty old, though, so don't don't expect much flavor.
1: <laughs> it's all been wasted away. Yeah. Go you ahead. got any shows
0: coming up you're looking forward to?
1: Yeah, I'm actually going to be away uh, in June, so I'll be catching uh, the Decibel Tour while I'm there. Uh, so that's Dark Funeral, Cattle Decapitation, oh, nice. Stab <laughs> Wounds, and Black Braid. So that should be fun. Um, might try to see another show in Portland if there's something happening. I think midnight is playing, so we might go to that if there's anything that pops up like last minute, maybe. Um, other than that, I actually don't have a lot of things coming up for the summer, which is uh kind of nice, I guess, because I have a lot of uh photographs that I need to <laughs> catch up on, uh editing and whatnot. I mean, we're going to see the eels uh at the end of June. We're going to see Ludacra uh in the middle of the month um we might go to kaiju big battle
0: oh nice my amazing girlfriend's friend travis is the voice of uh dr cube
1: oh really that's very cool
0: he stays at our house sometimes when they're in town
1: oh that's awesome
0: uh so i was looking ahead at some other uh this this list uh, an imdb of heavy metal horror movies and one kind of stuck out that i think maybe we should check out It's called Spanish Chainsaw Massacre.
1: (laughs) I've never heard of it.
0: Me either. A heavy metal band named The Dicks are touring to promote their first record. While driving to their next concert, their van gets a flat. So they have to spend the night in a small local town. Someone asks The Metal Dicks to join with the festival, and then uh, everyone dies.
1: (laughs) Sounds awesome. Yeah. Maybe we can revisit down the road. Sure. Awesome. You can visit my website at diaryofdoom.com. Check out the podcast along with my concert photography, or you can follow the podcast on diaryofdoom.podbee.com. You can follow Diary of Doom on Instagram at Diary of Doom. Like it on Facebook. Uh, subscribe and listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, whatever shady podcast streaming app you want to use. Uh, all the movies from Green Hell updates will be on all of those uh, platforms. And if you want to suggest a movie for me to discuss on the podcast, you can fire off an email to direboom1968 at gmail.com. Andy, thanks for coming on. This was hey, wonderful. no, thank you for
0: having me, man. I had a good time.
1: A lot of fun, despite the movie being utter shit.
0: Uh, yes. Uh, yeah, that that fucking sucked. <laughs> it so, just, it sucked. Poor um man.
1: Not sure what we'll be checking out next, but we can guarantee you that it will have some heavy metal, some marijuana, or some uh, mix of the two, uh, and/or it'll probably be really stupid. So okay. well, until then, we'll great see you next time.
0: Bye.